Welcome back to the What's Up and What's Next podcast, the greatest podcast of all times. And today I have a good friend of mine on the show. She is also a registered dietitian. Her name is Michelle Lalji and she's going to speak about all things diet. Please welcome to the show, Michelle. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you for your very warm welcome. I'm really excited to be here today and it's definitely a lot of tough acts to follow. You've had some incredible people um, on the podcast. So yeah, just excited to um, have a really interesting conversation today. Me too. And especially because lately I've been really into my foods and sort of understanding the things that get consumed into my body I've been really interested and I've been paying a lot of attention maybe because I'm really into fitness lately I guess but I'm I'm very very interested in in the stuff that you do right now and I'm sure we'll touch upon it later on but first things first can you tell us a bit more about yourself for those who may not know sure so um, I'm based in South London um, at the moment I've just moved back from university it's a bit of a shock coming back um, especially because I didn't really get my last year of university because of Covid so it's been a bit sad coming back but I'm getting settled in I used to live in Lisbon I know me and you Eric have that in common <laughs> um, though my Portuguese is not as great as yours you've got to teach me but yeah that's sort of the the main sort of things um, got some hobbies so really enjoy doing art um during lockdown I bought an iPad uh, really spending my student finance well um, and I bought uh, like an Apple pencil with it so I've been um, doing some bits on Procreate um it's just a nice way to wind down really uh really enjoy cooking and it's funny you say that uh, that you're like really into food and like what you eat at the moment because I think during lockdown a lot of people or at least I heard as well a lot of people were really getting into cooking and like sort of being careful with what they eat so I I mean I always really loved cooking anyway but really got into it more over Covid uh, I shan't bore you more with my hobbies but <laughs> those are the main things no that's great now what I do want to know and I think a lot of people would want to know as well is what exactly is a dietitian? So that's a great question. It's a question that I get asked quite a lot. So by definition, um, a dietitian is a healthcare professional that interprets the science of nutrition to improve and um, to improve health and to treat diseases um, and other like health conditions by educating and giving practical and personalised advice to clients. Um, it's not just in a, a medical context. Um, like I said, it's in an educational setting so it could be to other healthcare professionals it could be in schools or um, in a workplace so we work in a a number of different um, contexts Uh, the main thing though is that we are part of a sort of a a governing body so the HCPC the Health and Care Professionals Council so someone um, who is a dietitian has to be on the register you can't go around calling yourself a dietitian if you're not on the HCPC. But basically what the HCPC does is they regulate things like our CPD. Every two years I have to um, renew my registration, get audited, and there's like a code of conduct and everything that you have to follow. Um, you have to reach, or so you have to have a certain amount of, um, you have to be educated to a, a certain level. So having a minimum um, bachelor's in nutrition and dietetics or having a bachelor's in nutrition and then... Um, <clears throat> like a, a post, um, post-grad in dietetics or like a master's, that sort of thing. So you need to have that element. Um, so can't, can't all go around 
calling ourselves dietitians. <laughs> and so my follow-up question from that is, what is the main difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? Yeah, so the, the main difference um, between nutritionists and dietitians is that um, is that HCPC registration. So, for example, you could go tomorrow and, you know, I don't know, do some course in nutrition or even read a few papers about it and, you know, just do a bit of Googling and then turn around and say that you're a nutritionist. There's no sort of governing body to stop you from doing that. So it can be quite dangerous in the sense that anyone can read anything online and then call themselves a nutritionist and then give out advice. So with dietitians, like I said, they have that HCPC registration and we have to follow certain guidelines and certain like code, code of conduct. So I do work with quite a lot of nutritionists and, you know, a lot of people think that we have some sort of feud. <laughs> we don't. Um, they're so valuable. And, you know, even in my workplace, like I, I work with a, a nutritionist and she's so lovely. I love working with her. Um, but it's just our roles are very different. Some of the nutritionists that I work with, um, they do work more sort of in research rather than uh, in like a clinical sense, as dietitians do. That's that's sort of the main context that they that I've seen work in. But again, it's it's like a whole different world with them. But the main thing is that registration aspect. So I guess a nutritionist is a subset of a dietitian. Because you as a dietitian could become a nutritionist if you wanted to, but the dietitian itself is a more broader aspect. And for you to be a dietitian, you need to have that qualification or registration. I forgot what it was, but whatever you called it, because there's a government uh, governing body that uh, regulates it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I suppose in one way you could say that all dietitians are nutritionists, because while at uni, you have to have that um you know, even though our um, program at uni and our like education is very medical and we, you do need to have quite a, a good grasp on medical knowledge, we do have that nutritional side of it as well. So, you know, learning about food and learning about how it's made and, you know, that molecular side of things as well. So, yeah, I mean, all dietitians are nutritionists, but it doesn't really work the other way around. Got it. Now... Going back to your role as a dietitian, I want to know if there are any misconceptions in your profession, and if so, which ones? Yeah, so the main thing which I get when I tell anyone that I'm a dietitian is, oh, can you help me lose weight or can you make me a meal plan? And I think in my professional career so far, I've just made the one meal plan. Um, and uh, even at uni, we only really did it as part of like assignments, but it wasn't for the purpose of making a meal plan. It was just like coursework type things or, you know, how to make um, changes to someone's um, existing sort of meal pattern. But the biggest misconception is that I help people lose weight and any clinical work that I've done has actually been the contrary. So because I've worked in hospitals and with quite clinically vulnerable people, I've had to actually help them gain weight. So my role has been a lot in like the nutritional support side of things rather than weight management, although that's a, a pretty big area in itself. But it's not really one that, you know, out of, I don't know if I see 20 patients in a day, maybe one or two will be weight management or, you know, needing help with weight loss. So it's not really, it's, it's not the only thing that we do. Just a couple of other um, areas that we touch on. So 
IBS is a really big one at the moment. Um, food allergies, specifically for um, pediatrics. So, um, like when I was in pedi- pediatric clinics, did a lot of food allergy and food intolerances. That's when it's sort of at the height. Um, eating disorders as well, and especially with COVID, that's one thing that we've really seen a rise of, not just in young girls, but in young boys as well. So, being able to support them in that because it's 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 such a difficult thing and I, I found it really difficult to to see uh IBD as well um I work in in type 2 diabetes so that's a big one I'm not just type 2 diabetes but type 1 diabetes um sports so you know there's so many different areas that we cover and I just touched on on a few so yeah it's, it's more than just weight loss so you, you could say you really know your food yeah. <laughs> from this conversation that's one of the things that I got but it's a lot more than just that that's yeah that's what I heard there great now did you always want to become a dietitian like at what moment in time did you decide to pursue this as a career no so it's interesting you say that um I think growing up I always really enjoyed you know science subjects I was always really good at biology and um you know really enjoyed it really at uni uh, sorry at school so I think I just naturally went towards those sorts of careers or wanting to pursue that sort of career and you know when it came to just before GCSEs when you have to uh, get work experience and stuff so I, I managed to get a few um in a lab and in a hospital as well. My lab one was really interesting actually. I worked in a neuroscience lab where um, I held the human brain. Really exciting. Um, got to see how they uh, like sliced the, the, the brain to look at, look at it under the microscope and stuff. So that was really cool. So I always knew I wanted to go down the healthcare route. Um, and I guess back then I always felt like the healthcare like professions that I was exposed to were just, you know, either a doctor a nurse or well I suppose just those two really so I don't really know much about what what else was out there so I managed to get a, a work experience in a cancer research hospital um, in London so at the Royal Marsden where I worked with some of the dietitians there and initially I didn't really know much about it going in it was just a bit of a Ooh, I didn't really know what to expect but as soon as I went and when I sat in some of the consultations with the dietitian there who I'm actually still in, in touch with and it's it's really weird like I have known her since I was in year 10 and now I'm a registered dietitian I emailed her the other day when I got my registration to tell her that I'm registered and it's, it's such a like a full circle moment <laughs> so anyway I um, did that work experience with her and really enjoyed the like being part of the consultations and seeing how diet has such an impact on um someone's life and especially in in a cancer setting um it affects the patient so much you know on on so many different levels so it's you know it's such a it has such a mental impact on them as well so being able to see that support that the dietitian gave them was so rewarding and you know i saw that they had such a good relationship with them and it had such a they had such a long lasting relationship with them and I, I don't know I just felt like a, a warm feeling when when I left my um, work experience and I went around the uh, wards as well with some of the dietitians and met some of the patients and it was just so like I said just such a rewarding experience and I loved it so much I went again the next year <laughs> pretty much the whole summer so 
you know, just helped around the department and yeah, just just got as much of it out as much out of it as I could. So uh, I actually remember the first time I, um, I actually remember the exact moment where I wanted to be a dietitian. So even after my work experience, I was still sort of umming and eyeing about um, what I want to do. And I suppose back then it was like it was still quite a long way away. I was in like year 10 or 11. So I didn't really want to think about it so early on. Um, but it was actually when I was writing my personal statement for UCAS and I wanted to go down the medicine route um, and I you know, was so ready to write my personal statement, ready to do all the tests, do everything when I was in the car with my dad and I said, oh, you know, I don't want to do this. Like, I, I want to be a dietitian. And I remember the exact moment where we were turning in the car as well. Every time we drive past that place, it just reminds me of that. And especially now that I've come out of it from like onto the other side. Um, it's just so it's just so crazy to think about. So that's. That's how I got to where I am. And look at you now. Congratulations. <laughs> congratulations Thanks. on graduating from university. And Thank congratulations you. on becoming a registered dietitian. It feels nice <laughs> to be able to say that. <laughs> yeah, nice to have some extra letters after my name. <laughs> and the experience that comes with it. And I actually, speaking of experience, I do want to touch on that. Can you tell me a bit more about your university experience? How was it? How did you find yeah. it? Absolutely. So I loved my four years at Nottingham. I, th- I thought it was a, a really nice place to go in terms of like you get a good balance of campus life as well as city life. Uh, Nottingham itself is such a great city. Um, even though I'm, I'm from London, I've spent most of my life in London. I never felt like I was in a sort of a really rural place. I don't know if you've been to Nottingham before, but it, it's there's so much hustle and bustle and it's so lively. And the because there's two universities there it's such a student-friendly city and you know it's just it was so nice to be there I wouldn't have changed it for um for anything so I'm very grateful that I got to go and um also really enjoyed actually being able to move out because it taught me so much and it's such a valuable experience and in terms of the course itself so I'm not going to say it was easy (laughs) it was very tough spent many long nights at the library uh many long nights um studying and you know all nighter after all nighter um and so with our course we have to have um so we have to have like a a placement so um throughout the course we have three different placements um in our first year we have three weeks in a hospital and that's pretty much like they sort of just see whether you still want to be a dietitian like you don't actually do anything especially in first year you don't like you only really touch on very basic things um don't learn too much it's mostly like um biochemistry and genes and cells all of that it's basically felt like another year of a levels so it was quite basic in that sense like you don't really delve straight into the more clinical skills so that was basically just to see whether you're still interested and whether you still want to commit to the course um so that was in a big general hospital that i went to um really enjoyed that and then after that in normal times you'd have your second placement in the summer of third year that would be for 12 weeks and then your third placement in the second term of fourth year Uh, but because of covid we were we weren't really sure whether we were going to get a placement or not and it coincided with when my placement was supposed to be so it was a bit all up in the air it was a bit of panic um so I had to do my um 
my dissertation from home during COVID. It was just a, so, such a stressful time. It was actually a year ago this time um, that I submitted my dissertation. So it's, it's funny to think about that now. Um, and uh, yeah, so I had my, um, so both my placements sort of combined together. So I had 19 weeks because we um, had some online placement bits as well. So um, it was seven weeks and then a bit of a break and then 12 weeks. So I had 19 weeks of being in a uh, county hospital in Lincoln, which um, initially I was a bit apprehensive about because that Lincoln is definitely rural. It's like in the middle of nowhere. Um, I wasn't really sure how it, how I would settle. I remember the first time I went, um, I just cried my eyes. I was like, I was saying to my dad, like, I do not want to be here. I want to go back home. <laughs> so at that time, I was just, it was such a difficult time, you know, living out in the middle of a pandemic and, you know, in this new place where you don't know anyone and your friends aren't nearby and you're so far away from everything. It was, it was a really difficult time, but I managed to get through it and actually towards the end of my placement I actually really enjoyed it and I just immersed myself into it and um, gave me they gave me quite a, a degree of independence they gave me um, a few wards to manage by myself especially towards the end where um, you're given complete independence you just go off without anyone supervising you of course they countersign you afterwards but you basically manage your patients by yourself which gave me the confidence that I, I really needed but yeah, I just, I really enjoyed my time now looking back um, during my placement and met some really incredible people that I'm still in touch with. And yeah, I guess in the moment you don't feel like it's great, but then when you look back, look back on it, it really, it, it's quite something. It sounds like you had a good time. And I agree. Yeah. I agree. When you look back, it's great in the moment, but I think it's greater when you look back at it. And by the sounds of it, it sounds like you had a lot of fun. And funnily enough, our next segment of the podcast is also fun. It's called the What's Questions. And basically, it's a set of random rapid fire questions that have no correlation to the episode, are completely random. And it's just pretty much trying to get to know you on a personal level. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fast paced. So hope you're ready. Yeah bracing myself <laughs> cool All right first one is if you could have any superpower what would it be well, that's a great question. Um, I think, not that I do much traveling anyway, but I think being able to speak any language would be a really great one, especially because, like I mentioned at the beginning, I used to live in Lisbon, but I can't remember any of my Portuguese. Can you imagine just going anywhere and being able to speak the language? Um, I think that would be a really cool skill to have, or talent, rather. Never thought of that. That's actually really useful. Yeah. It's really, really useful. Uh, I think I know someone who can speak like nine languages, but that's, oh. <laughs> I know, it's, it's a big stretch as well. That's about it. That's interesting. That's my two languages. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just about speak three. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's really pushing it. Yeah. Next one is, do you prefer coffee or tea? Oh, tea any day. Not a fan of coffee. Oh, okay. Strong answer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what is your favorite dessert? Oh, that's a difficult one. I'm going to say two. So tiramisu, can't go wrong, and a classic New York cheesecake. I don't like any other cheesecakes. It's just, I just like a plain one. Got it. So 
two good recommendations from Michelle. If you guys are listening, there you go. Michelle's plugged you in. (laughs) Next question is, if you could fly out to any country right now, where would you go? Um, I think I'd go out to Japan. That's always been one of the countries that has been at the top of my list. Ages ago, I watched this documentary on the BBC about um, the islands around Japan. And I don't know, ever since then, I've just been mesmerised by the place. You know, not just its natural beauty, but the culture, the food, just the cities. It's just, I don't know, I just, I love it so much. And there's actually, um, it's funny that you asked that, there's an exhibition at the Kew Gardens (laughs) that I'm going to next week. Um, It's All Things Japan, so I think they've um, got some plants, like Japanese-inspired art from, from, um, like, at the the Kew, so... If you're listening, that's a recommendation for you. <laughs> Sounds really cool. Now for the last question, and I, I have to ask this question, I really do. Are you following any diet at the moment? <laughs> oh, no. No, absolutely not. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. I'm actually um, the worst when it comes to to food. Like, I um, I don't tend to really be the healthiest sometimes I mean I have waves so sometimes I can be really healthy like yes I'm going to eat all my fruits and vegetables I'm going to you know have three set meals um and other times I'm just like oh I want McDonald's every single meal of the day but I think that's what dietitians really I think that's what the beauty is like we don't tell people what to eat if anything people tell us what they eat and then we tell them the changes so that's like how we tailor it but in terms of a diet that I follow, oh no, absolutely not. I don't think I've ever followed a diet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I was just curious. I, I I don't know if this is a question that you'd got gotten before. I know you get the, can you make me a meal prep or, <laughs> uh, a lot? But uh, Sorry, can you make me a meal plan a lot? But I thought, let me ask this and see if, you, if you're following anything specific. I guess you're not. Cool. That ends the what's question segment. Now we go back into the episode and... Since we touched on diets just now, we might as well continue. I want to know a bit more about certain types of diets. So maybe I could name a few and you could just briefly explain what that diet is about. And then we can kind of just go back and forth over there and, and, and share with the people a bit of information, I guess. Sounds good. So I'll start off easy. Talk to me a little bit about the vegetarian diet. So a vegetarian diet is basically <laughs> like what it says on the tin, you, you eat your vegetables. But the difference between a vegetarian diet and the vegan diet is that vegetarians still eat um, and or drink uh, animal products. So they'll still have uh, eggs or cow's milk or any other sort of um, animal milk. Um, whereas vegans, um, which is that's the key difference, they wouldn't have any... Um, animal products so of course no eggs plant-based milks um pretty much get most of their um protein from soy uh lentils that sort of thing awesome so you covered the two diets in one i was going to ask you about the vegan one after great (laughs) no it's great that's great saving me time another one that comes to mind is the ketogenic diet if i'm pronouncing that right yeah yeah, the ketogenic diets. So um, I've not really dabbled too much in it. I know that a lot of people have the keto diet for weight loss, which is quite interesting because 
in my world, um, in sort of more clinical dietetics, um, we only really recommend the keto diet for children um, that have epilepsy. So that's quite interesting. So basically what the keto diet is, it's, it's very high in fat, but still having quite um, enough protein and um, all of that. But it's basically, it forces your body to go into ketosis. Um, so your body is forced to use ketone bodies. Um, that's what helps drive weight loss. But yeah, it's, it's really strange when people tell me that. And that's, it, it shows how much misinformation there is out there. So, you know, when people find that, um, the keto diet works or you know or they see like a headline saying that you know have the keto diet for weight loss they don't really look too much into the evidence behind it so when I'm um, in weight management clinics for example I never tell people to follow the keto diet because for me the keto diet is for children with epilepsy right so the keto diet it's just like I guess any other diet that you can choose to have but you saying that it's more suitable for certain types of people in this case you said children with epilepsy now another question i wanted to ask you and it just came to me is about intermittent fasting yeah what i want to know is if you can explain to people what that is and then tell me if it's good or bad and why or why not so that's a really interesting uh, point you made because i had i recently had a debate with someone about intermittent fasting and you know, when you're at uni, you don't just get told that this diet is good or this diet is bad. You're, you're sort of taught the skill of looking at both sides of the coin. So I can't tell people whether um, they should be following a specific diet or not. I can just give them the evidence and then, you know, everyone has autonomy to follow whatever they want. So I personally think that it's an intermittent fasting isn't that great of a diet, to be honest. Um, most people do intermittent fasting for weight loss but you know the best way to achieve weight loss and the most logical way to achieve weight loss is through calorie deficits so for instance if you're it's intermittent fasting um, such a, a difficult word to say <laughs> intermittent um, if you're in intermittent fasting you can still consume all of your calories in that window and not be in calorie deficit so you think you're consuming less but actually you're consuming the same amount but in like a less a, a smaller period of time so you're not actually going to lose weight if that's what you're doing um and I think there's so many more things to think about so you know there's there's um the mental aspect of it as well like um from some research that I've looked at what is it though what sorry just sorry to put you off oh. what, what is oh, it sorry. what is it um so intermittent fasting is just you you eat within a certain period of time and you don't eat for the rest of the day so there's just certain hours in the day where you eat so you could eat between I don't know nine and three and then not for the rest of the day I'm just saying that but yeah that's basically what it is um so yeah just some of the research that I've seen around it as well and some discussion with my friends and my colleagues um I think it really affects your relationship with food because you're ignoring that like say if you feel hungry outside of those hours where you've already eaten um if you feel hungry you're ignoring that cue to eat and your body is actually very good at regulating when it wants to eat um it's like a hormonal action so you know you don't actually need to do anything in order to help regulate your appetite and i just think generally you know if you feel hungry outside of those hours and you force yourself not to eat then 
it, it, it just feels like you're building a poor relationship with food and you're not you're purposely not eating and you're ignoring what your body wants which it doesn't seem like much in the beginning but then it can develop into, into something more and I guess some people can say that there are benefits to it so helps with insulin resistance and cardiovascular disease benefits but again the research is very limited like when you really look at it the studies aren't sort of gold standard and, and if you're applying that to your life you want that to be you want the research to be sort of top-notch um, so if it's still quite limited then it's probably not the best thing to do interesting so i guess just like anything else there's benefits and there's two sides to it yeah it's yeah there's it, always two sides of the coin yeah very interesting stuff so i think that covers a few of the diet things that i wanted to talk about now i'm very interested in understanding what kind of work you're doing at the moment any projects you're working on that you'd like to share so what I'm doing at the moment is more of a, a public health role rather than a clinical role. Um, I feel like after my placement experience, you know, with COVID and everything, it was just a bit stressful. So I needed a bit, bit of time to take a step back and um, do something a bit more different. Um, and generally, I'm a bit more interested in the public health side of things anyway, rather than the clinical so much. Um I just thought this was a really interesting opportunity. So I'm currently working with a private company um, that delivers the NHS low-calorie diet program, um, which is for weight loss, but also for type 2 diabetes remission. Um, so it's an NHS pilot, so it's based on a study um, which they're sort of delivering in these interventions. So um, there's different ways that they're doing it. So in different sort of pilot sites um, around the UK, they're delivering it in ways like, so we do group um, education, other companies do it with sort of individual delivery. Some also do it with um, like through an app. So to digital health, that sort of thing. So it's really interesting um, to see the, the results and the data. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. I'm working with the Birmingham and Solihull CCG. I'm really enjoying that at the moment. I mean, my role is mostly in um, operations. So making sure that the program runs smoothly and making sure that I'm, um, or making sure that there's people coming onto the program, people know about the program and, um, you know, being the first port of call for participants and for um, GPs as well, because we work quite closely with them, because um, it is a community-led intervention rather than like a sort of an NHS-led one. So we rely a lot on GPs um, to refer people onto the program. So maintaining those relationships um but i suppose there's that corporate side of things as well so the company that we work with um that provide the low calorie products so for the first 12 weeks of the program um you do um all the participants have to like a total dietary replacement so they are subsidized to get these products in um so there's a company that we work with um so keeping those we're sort of the first port of call for them as well so keeping those relationships with them um, just finding it really interesting at the moment really like it's so different to what I'm used to and I feel like from my clinical skills um, it's it's so different to what I would have gained in the NHS if I went into like a, a, a if I just worked as a dietitian but yeah I mean I'm not doing any coaching at the moment but from our population we're seeing that there are a lot of um, South Asian um, participants being referred in 
and sadly a lot of them aren't able to speak English um, so I can speak Urdu fluently so I'm going to be coaching my own group soon um, fully in Urdu so that should be interesting I'm going to have to brush up on my Urdu skills quite a bit um, so that should be exciting so yeah that's pretty much what I'm doing in terms of my career and like professional side but aside from that aside from my um uh career or like professional side of things i also do a bit of volunteering on the sides so with a company called food for purpose you can always um check them out uh, really enjoying that and also doing a, a few projects with public health of england so been a part of some documentations um some guidance for allied health professionals um especially in combating health inequalities which has been really really interesting so done a few case studies um for, for them also currently developing a case study for um embedding public health in sort of allied health professional practice and um, that's also with public health England so doing a lot with them as well it's just some nice experience to have on the side um great for my portfolio <laughs> and it's I, I really enjoy that side of things as well but um who knows maybe I might go back into into clinical dietetics amazing sounds like you're keeping yourself busy which is always yeah. good last or well one of the very last few questions I have is we just spoke about your profession a little bit and I was interested in understanding what are sort of your career goals for the next few years, just out of curiosity. So, like I said, I'm really interested in the public health sort of side of things. Um, I would love to work, I mean, one of my dream roles would be to work for the UN Food Programme and work abroad. Um, there's some really cool internships going at the moment, but I don't feel like I have enough experience right now, um, hopefully soon. Um, but I would love to do something like that or work for an NGO abroad, work in schools especially. Um, I would love to work uh, in sort of health improvement, combating health inequalities. That's something that I'm, I'm really passionate about and something that's really close to me. And, you know, I I just think that with dietetics, the more I, I go into it, the more, I've, um, the more I go through my sort of professional um, journey, there's so much that I could actually do because initially when I first started my degree I thought my I was a bit you know sort of blinkered I I always thought that I'd go into the NHS and be a dietitian and be a dietitian for the rest of my life um but I love that there's an option to always go back to clinical dietetics or take some time out and do some some public health work or do some freelancing or go away from it completely because it's it's so much about the transferable skills rather than what you actually do which I love about it so yeah interesting and let's manifest the UN thing for sure let's, let's manifest it here on the podcast Never a manifest, please. <laughs> now there's two final segments to the podcast it's been an interesting episode so far and I, I feel like I've gained a lot of knowledge myself so thank you Michelle for this segment it's called the who's next it is a one question only and it's basically me asking you, who do you think should come on the podcast next? Who do you think would be suitable? Who do you think would be great to have on the podcast next? And that is the question. You can shout out up to three people, max. And the reason why I'm limiting it is because otherwise you could name 100 people and we don't have that kind of time today. Forever. So, yeah, Michelle, who's next? Okay. 
So um, I would love to shout out uh, my good friend Haifa, who has just finished her um, LLM um, uh, sort of qualification, and she's currently working as a paralegal. Um, but we do sort of talk quite a bit about careers, and I'm just always so interested to learn more about what she does. And I think in another life, I might have been a lawyer, <laughs> who knows, or a solicitor. So I would love to see her on the, on the podcast. And I would also love to see my friend Adam Kumar, who, from what I know, did uh, an apprenticeship at EY and now works in Dubai for House and House. I hope I'm saying that correctly. Um, it's felt like H-A-U-S. I'm hoping that's House. Um, so, yeah, he works for House and House, sort of um, luxury real estate, but he also has, uh, like, a fitness page. I think it's called Line Lifting um, on Instagram. He's really into that. So um, I sort of love seeing that as well. Um, so I think he'd, he'd be a really good person to have on the podcast uh i think especially with um the fact that you did an apprenticeship i think that'd be a really cool thing to touch on awesome so big shout out to the two people you mentioned we'll be in touch soon hopefully to try and get this sorted for the future now the final segment of the podcast the tradition and the final question michelle what's up and what's next for you well, I've just started my job, <laughs> so for now, uh, just carrying on with that and, yeah, just carrying on with my volunteering and all the things I'm doing with Public Health England. But there's one thing that I'm, I really want to do, um, especially in the, the last bit of this year. I've always been really interested in um, writing articles and blogging and that sort of thing, but I never felt like I had the confidence to actually do it. So I feel like now I just I, I just need to get stuck into it. So hoping now to um, get more into some blogging and you know write a few articles. Get my I've got like a an, like a foodie Instagram. Um, so get that up and running. For those who appreciate puns, my at is uh, Michelle and Star. Do you get it? Do you get yeah, it? Yeah, I, I, I can see it's <laughs> <I'm laughing. laughs> Um. I've never um, felt confident enough like in the past to um, get writing and there's some things that I've written in the past but I've just not published them or not really told anyone about it. I've just got it sitting in a file on my laptop so um, in, a, in this last segment of the year I just want to get it out there and hopefully you'll see some, some writing from me. That's amazing. I'm, I'm really excited for, for those things and for what's next. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast for taking the time for sharing a bit of knowledge on diets because you clearly know your food way better than i do uh, <laughs> and i'm sure the people listening will appreciate it michelle thank you so much thank you so much eric for having me and if you guys have enjoyed today's episode then please make sure to listen to the next podcast to find out what's up and what's next